most of our loved ones make it very well known that they want to continue to live in their home until the very end. Well, that's easier said than done, especially if you're one of the millions of sandwich generation caregivers with a full-time job and a family. So how do you juggle everything and keep everyone happy? Thankfully, technology has improved and there are more ways to allow a loved one to stay in their home safely and longer. That and more is what we're discussing today. This episode is brought to you by Family History Films. Visit myfamilyhistoryfilm.com to find out how they can preserve your family history in a fascinating documentary film. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Welcome back to another week of Fading Memories. Thanks for joining me. Before we get started, I want to point out something you're probably not aware of. Did you know that there are actual blog posts on my website with information that is interesting, useful, but has yet to make it into an episode? So make sure to check out the website. And while you're there, make sure to be following me on all the social media platforms. You'll find those linked there as well. With me today is Nina. And this is a new one for me because Nina is from the UK and regular listeners know that I am from California. So it's late for her and early for me. So thanks for joining me today, Nina. Yay! Hello from the United Kingdom. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. So Nina has been taking care of her dad, Roger, for how long now? Probably. I mean, probably taking care of him for around about six years shall we say um but I have been extremely lucky um because I looked very much into technology um so I have had a lot of help from cameras and trackers etc so that's why what I was first initially drawn to you because I wanted to learn more about that now you'd think being very close to Silicon Valley I would be way more aware of these cameras and technology. And maybe I'm not just because my mom is in late stage Alzheimer's and she lived with dad until he passed away three years ago. And then we had to put her in a memory care residence because I'm still working. My sister is working and has school aged children. And to be perfectly honest, her living with me was not ever going to work. So No, and I think as well, when that happens, you kind of dilute your relationship, don't you? Um, it's not so much mum and daughter anymore. It's more carer. And, and, and that's not overly healthy, is it? No, and it's even in the care residence, there's a lot that I still have to deal with. Right. And she thinks I'm her best friend. And unfortunately, lately, she gets very violently combative when you help her. When she right. needs assistance with something, she scratches and swears and calls people names. Just this week, she told me to drop dead and have a nice, drop dead. I'm a B-I-T-C-H. And mm. I was like, all I'm trying to do is make sure you don't fall on your face. See, this is really good learning for me, Jen, because, you know, I, dad has just gone into the last stages, really, if you like. So, so this is really good to hear from you, you know, what, what I'm to expect. Yeah. Well, what's interesting with my mom is 
we've been dealing with this for about 20 years, I think. It's hard to remember when I wasn't aware of um, memory issues. She was diagnosed in September of 2011, but by then it was like, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, yeah. A blind person would notice that she has a problem. So, um, you know, a lot of that was due to her just resisting, denying. But the thing, I went to a workshop yesterday. Part of the workshop was on communication. And my mom's got it, you know, she's struggling eating. Like she tried to eat a sandwich with a spoon a couple weeks ago. That was fascinating. But her language skills are still her language skills don't fit into late stage. She talks a lot. She still has a lot of words. She uses a lot of the wrong words and she'll string words together that sound like a sentence, but make no sense whatsoever. So it's like, okay, Okay. that's technically not late stage, but everything else is late stage. So it's very interesting and somewhat frustrating because you know, people say, well, do this with her, try this, you know, and none of it works, which is why I started the podcast because I was researching and researching, trying to find ways of connecting with her so that I could give her times of joy and, you know, happy, I don't can't say memories, but, you know, just happy times. Yeah, happy times. And I think that's really important because somebody once said to me, and it was um, someone that worked for the Dementia Trust in the UK, and said, you know, if you go on this journey and if you think about the person that has dementia, if you think about their feelings, so leave them feeling happy, this whole experience will be so much easier for you and for them. And actually that's always stayed with me. And that, that conversation was probably about six years ago. And so that is always what I aim to do. Well, from all your Instagram stories, it looks like you're doing a good job. And (laughs) I can tell you that my mom has zip memory, but we had, I triggered her anger on Monday. I don't know what the heck was wrong with me. Probably nothing. Um, That's the sad thing. (laughs) Just it's, there's times when it's like, well, she'll, I'll say, I said something. And she's, you know, something simple. And she's like, yes, mother. And it's like, oh, my God, stop calling me yeah. mother. The first time, I just ignore it. The second time, I said, I'm not your mother. That's not funny. Please don't say that. And then, and then I, I don't know why I bothered. But, you know, she said it four times. And it should have been a clue. And, you know, now that I'm looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm looking back going, yeah, I should have just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess I was in the in the mood for poking the bear. Yeah, listen, we all have good days and bad days. But, you know, my, my dad would tend to say things that, you know, it's like yesterday, you know, he had, he had pretty much, I think, wet himself. I could smell wee on him. And I said, we're going to change your trousers. Why are you changing my trousers? Now, stupidly, I said, Dad, I can smell urine, you know. Um, oh, don't be so bloody ridiculous. Um, whereas I, I probably shouldn't have said that. I should have just said, oh, do you know what? I really like these jeans on you. You do look really cool in these jeans. And he'd have probably gone with it. And I think in answer to your mum, when you're going, she's saying, you know, hey, mother, you know, you're better off going, yes, daughter. And I think because if you just go with them, it's 
it, it, it makes them less angry. It makes you less irritable. And I think for us, it's sadness. It's like, that's your mum, isn't it? Calling you mum. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the upset that comes through more than anything from your point of view. Yeah. Well, and she says that in, in response to, like, I brought tea and a scone. I know that sounds hysterical <laughs> considering no, where not, you're at. Not, not in Great Britain. <laughs> that sounds a perfect afternoon. It, yeah, that's my um, <laughs> that's my favorite kind of snack. Well, one of them anyway. I like too many snacks. Me too. And if I just hand her, like, break the scone into and hand her her half, she'll just sit there and hold it in her hand and crush it up. And so I just break off bites and hand it to her. I have to literally talk her through everything. And I'm like, oh, this is, oh, look at all these berries. Oh, this is so yummy. Taste it. Yes, mother. And it's like, I'm just trying to do something nice for you. Why are you being rude? And I let her trigger me and I triggered her. So that was all bad. But your, your tip with jeans is smart. Unfortunately, with my mom, she would just look at me and say, you know, she'd say something else rude, you know, your dad said, don't be ridiculous. And then you said, well, I should have just said this. My mom does not realize she needs help. She yeah. fights it and fights it. So, but before we get too far on off, well, this isn't really off track. Tell me about these cameras that you used and the technology. Okay. Okay. So there was a website that was started and it was called Unforgettable dot org and I believe it changed names I think it was something to do with um the name that they had it was to you know some kind of um what copyright or something they have now changed and forgive me I'm not sure what it is but it was started because um a, a lad's mother had Alzheimer's and he felt that there was nothing out there at all so he started to seriously research what was out there And then anybody that had a product that would help people with Alzheimer's, what they would then do is put their product on this unforgettable.org. So there was cameras, there were trackers, there were, you know, easy to eat knife and forks, there were bibs, there were easy puzzles. It, It was genius, absolute genius. So I managed to find these cameras, which are by Motorola, um and they're called hubble hubble motorola and they're available on amazon and basically what would happen is i had in the end four cameras at dad's one outside his front door one in his porch five actually sorry one in his front room one in his bedroom and also one in his kitchen and if you were to watch them live, what happens is you have the initial outlay of the camera, which I'm going to say on average is around about £70 per camera, which sounds a lot. But what would happen is, you know, we got one camera, say, maybe six years ago. Then we put another camera in five years up until, you know, maybe six months ago where we put in the final camera. However, I work full time. I have a family. I have no siblings. So it was down to me to basically watch everything live. Then I discovered that you can pay a monthly fee and have up to five cameras recorded. So it's motion censored. So what would happen is if there was a slight bit of motion, it would record it for me. 
and then it would save it. So I would go to bed in the evening and go through, you know, oh, who's that? I don't recognize that face coming to the door or so on and so forth. So it managed to keep him safe. And actually, I, I did, in fact, catch his next door, but one neighbor stealing from him. And I was able to take the evidence to the police um, and uh, cut a very long story short she ended up moving but it just makes you think you know how long was that going on for before I actually installed the camera so even if you were to have one camera um, the initial outlay like I say is 70 pounds um, and you can move these cameras around and that was my eyes and ears when I couldn't be with my dad um, and and it stopped me feeling so guilty. And if I'm honest, it helped me sleep at night. That's important. Oh, because we worry so much, right? Um, and interestingly, as you you know, Jen, you know, my dad's been put into a care home at the start of January because he had two bad, he had a he was in hospital in December with an infection and um also early January, and he never really came back to him, you know, his best self. So we had to put him in a home. And although he's just around the corner from me and I can see him every night now, I kind of had a bit of withdrawal symptoms because I had been watching and sorry, I haven't mentioned, but you can also talk. You can have a two way conversation on these cameras also. Um, So I kind of felt like I wasn't seeing him as much, even though he's just around the corner. You know, because we used to talk. He could call me. He could, um, you know, so so. They are genius. They are really genius things. So credit to Hubble Motorola. There's probably more companies out there that are doing them. But for me, the best bit of equipment that we installed for dad, absolutely. Even to the point where he would lose his keys, but what he would obviously do is hide them at night in his bedroom. I was able to watch that footage back because obviously it was recorded and I could see him in his room. He'd put him in a drawer, in a sock. So I was able to guide him from the front room. So right, dad, Go upstairs. I'll talk to you once you're upstairs. Of course, by the time he's upstairs, he's forgotten what he's gone up there for. I'd pick him up on the bedroom camera and say, Dad, come to your bedroom. He'd then go in. Right, go to this drawer, open the drawer, look in the blue sock. No, the blue sock. No, keep looking in the blue sock. Then we would find his keys because he would think he'd been robbed and he'd phone the police. Oh, dear. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that you know, genius things. And, and although he's in a home, we're obviously having to put these home up for sale um we've still got the cameras up and running and everything comes through to my phone so I can just look to see if there's any strange activity which touch wood at the moment there is not you know um so yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant and to have five cameras running it was 8.99 a month and but that's recorded so like I say if you've got the time in your day to watch it live um then you don't have to, you know, you'd get a notification. Your phone would literally beep and say, mo- you know, there's motion at your dad's front door. And then you can quickly log in and see the motion. But again, because I had it recorded, I was able to catch his next door but one neighbour, you know, taking money off him. Oh, dear. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you no, ever have absolutely. an instance where he had an emergency that yes, the cameras? I okay, because that would be my concern is like, you're home, you're relaxed, you're taking care of the family, doing what you're doing in the evening, and then you find out, yikes, something's going on because of the yeah, care. Yeah, well, interestingly, um, the second, the early January when Dad went into hospital, um, he was at the end of his bed. He wasn't in bed at the end of his bed. So um, um, his carer went in in the morning and said, oh, my God, your dad's at the end of the bed. Now, 
unfortunately, where I had had the camera focused on him asleep in his bed, towards the end of the bed, it didn't capture the motion. So he was found at the end of his bed on his floor, but I was able to watch back and see what happened. So he had been on the floor since about five o'clock in the morning, and this was eight o'clock in the morning. Mm. And as it turned out, he had a virus. He had tried to get back into bed. Um, we don't think he collapsed. We just think he laid on the floor. But I was able to show all that footage to the ambulance service because they were worried it may be, I think it was, don't quote me, maybe kidney failure, you know, something to do with his kidneys to do with a water infection. But they, you know, they were able to see the footage after. Obviously, once the carer had alerted me, I could move the camera, see what was going on and speak to him, etc. Um, so, yeah, there was an emergency. I didn't have the camera pointing directly where it needed to be, but I could see where he had got up in the night, gone to the toilet. He'd obviously tried to come back, didn't make it into bed. My mom's care home, 90% certain they don't allow cameras. But your story, my mom fell on December 30th and it was between shift changes of this care staff and she's never fallen. She's not a fall risk. She walks just fine, except for her visual processing is so bad that, you know, if she just looks forward, it doesn't worry about the floor or the ground. She's fine, but she's always watching her feet, which is so frustrating, but she fell and they don't know what happened. And so I'm wondering, part of me is she's been in the care home for three years now. And part of me has always thought, you know, I should just get one of those teddy bear nanny cams. Yeah, I, I totally hear you. However, I did research a lot of homes close to me um, in the area. And um, one did say, yes, we could have a camera. Didn't like the home as much. So this new one that he's in, I'm not allowed cameras um, because of this. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but we've got this GDPR law um, with data protection, etc. And also, to be fair, other residents that go in and out the room, it's not fair, you know. Um, so, no, I can't have a camera in there. However, Dad, in the end, I put a tracker on him because Dad would go on a bus every day to a market like it was a new adventure. And he'd go pretty much every day, even... Obviously, we, you know, he didn't know what day it was. He'd still go on the bus. He'd still rock up there. So I had this tracker on him, and we could um, look at it in real time, which was amazing. I could see where he was, where he was going. But I could also call him, and he could call me. It had one button on it, SOS, and it would come straight to me. And if I didn't pick up, it would go to my mum. My mum and dad split in the 80s. Um, now my dad's forgotten the horrible split. She helps out with me, so it's brilliant. And as does my stepdad. Um, everyone gets on great now. So sorry, yeah. This this little contraption. It's a it's a real. It's about sort of this big, and um, and it basically he can call me on it, but I have an automatic answer switched on for him. So when he used to be out and about, it would ring once, and I knew he would forget how to press the button. So I'd just start talking and then he'd go, oh, you're on my keys. What are you doing? Because I had this thing attached to his key ring. So what I've smartly done, and I have told the home, this is sitting um, now in a docking station in his care home room. And then I will ring, it automatically answers and I'll just go, dad, are you there? And he'll go, oh, hello, Neen. So I talk to him every day on this. on this. And again, I'm going to say that was 110 pound Best £110 I'd ever spent. And I've managed to take it onto the care home now. 
Yeah, that sounds awesome. So you didn't work. That was on Amazon as well. Okay. That was an can we, I can put links to all these things in the show notes. And you didn't worry about him traveling on his own to the market and... I didn't because he, it was like a daily routine. Even when he was okay, he would go to the market a lot. So for him, he knew the bus number. Um, you know, he had his bus pass. He would go to the market, uh, sorry, get on the bus every day, go to the market, go to the cafe. The people in the cafe had an understanding. They'd look out for him. Um, yeah, I, you know, he was, he was very lucky. Um, but touch wood, he never got lost. So we were really, really lucky. That's what's interesting with Alzheimer's. We moved into the house we just left in May of 2007. And I think it was like 2010. My mom would drive. It's 20 miles from where her home was is. We still own it. It's rented out to help pay for her care. And she would drive to my house. There's about three different paths one could take. The highway, some a back road that's I love. It's twisty and um, it's beautiful. And then it's like over the hill and through the neighborhoods and winding around. And it's the least direct method. And that's the method the dad always took. Why he preferred that, I'm not sure. But you know, I'm in California. Traffic is a nightmare. She would get two thirds of the way here and get lost. So I, my husband programmed her GPS to, for our house. She called me one day and said, she was supposed to come for lunch or something. And I said, okay, make sure you turn on the GPS in case you get a little bit confused. Yeah. And I looked at the time and I knew how long it would take to get here. And it should have been no more than 45 minutes, an hour. And I'm like, she's lost. How did she get here? When you, was she driving? Yeah. Right. Okay. And so she called and, you know, at this point it had been about an hour, a little over an hour. So she'd probably been lost for about 20 minutes. And she called, so I had to go backtrack and find her. And this was, she did not have a smartphone because this was the early days of smartphones. So I couldn't like track her through her phone. So I had to like literally track her through her descriptions of where she was. Well, and, yeah. You know, and the town that I'm in is the town she grew up in, but it's, it's, it used to have like more cows than people. Oh, and now we have more houses than cows. So, um, you know, she didn't recognize anything. I mean, she got lost, you know. So she had to stop driving, which she complains about. Yeah, same as my dad. We had to revoke his license, and he was a lorry, or sorry, truck driver. Um, you know, all his life. Um, so that was a real hard one, but he still talks to people and he'll still say, you know, oh yeah, I'm a truck driver. Um, you know, and, and that's great, but yeah, we had to revoke his license, but that was so hard to do. Yeah. My, my dad got that privilege. Um, and I, and he waited too long to do it. I know that cause it is difficult and where we live and I'm very aware of how, as the population's aging, at least in California, and I'm assuming it's pretty similar in most of the states, our communities, our, our cities are not 
designed for people who are aging. They're not designed for people with mobility issues. With my mom, she, because of her visual processing, doesn't have peripheral vision, so she walks behind me. I mean, I feel like when we're walking, it's it's very nerve-wracking because she, if she gets a few steps behind me, she loses me. And yeah. the next thing I know, she's in the middle of the parking lot looking around like, what yeah. am I doing here? Yeah. And it's like, ay, ay, ay. And this is what triggered her on Monday is I, I just grabbed her elbow and I, I didn't grab it hard. I just kind of was, it was mostly to keep her next to me. Yeah. Because I have weird vision. So I only have peripheral vision on one side. So her being behind me just. Is not good. <laughs> no. And it's just, it's like, I'm trying to visit with you and you're 10 paces behind, behind. me. Like some little yeah. old lady trailing behind the, you know, ugh, I hate it. So to have to go the long way through the parking lot is just, it's a nightmare. It just, you know, it's like you have to allot an extra 20 minutes yeah. to get from the car to the door. And now she's got arthritis in her hips. So sometimes it hurts to walk. How do you oh know God. she's got arthritis in her hips? Is, does she say I've got pain? Has she been tested? The only reason I say is because, you know, I've noticed before, like you say, dad's eye has been really watering. And I'll go, what's up with your eye? And I go, oh, nothing. It's almost like he doesn't feel pain. So if your mother's been, you know, um, has now has this issue, how did they diagnose that? Well, she, she fell. And I don't know. This is chicken and the egg. And we'll never know which came first. The day she fell, from the day she fell, she's had a lot of pain walking which she didn't have before. Now, I don't know if she got up and it hurt and she just collapsed. You know, like I said, we'll not know for sure. Yeah. So she was having a lot of pain. And the way I, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. When she fell, she got stitches. I, her doctors, yeah, I'm sure you guys just love to laugh at our lovely healthcare system oh, in this country. Yeah. I don't want to tell you what I had to do to get those stitches removed. She called her doctor an idiot. He looked at me, shrugged his shoulders and said, hands me the suture removal kit. Says, do you think you can take care of this? And I said, I guess I don't have much choice. I said, I don't have depth perception. So the woman might lose an eye if I do it, but my neighbor is a nurse. Maybe I can get her to help me. So I literally had to demand diazepine I think is what it was to knock her out because she fights it would have taken four or five people yeah it was right above her her eyebrow where there's no you know it's like flesh over bone and she had those stitches for 42 days and I tell that story because did she fiddle with the stitches um no okay. with my mom he sent us over to the radiologist to get an x-ray of her hips, which this was the second time we'd tried. I had postponed my own chiropractor appointment because, you know, the doctors are not, they're not flexible. She threw the biggest fit. She's like, I'm not doing this. And I, I kept telling her, we're just going to take a picture so that we can figure out why it hurts. You know, I just kept telling her sweetly and nicely what we were trying to do. I didn't, I didn't get demanding you know, I finally said, look, you know, I would really appreciate it if you would do this because, you know, I had to rearrange what I was doing today so that we could take care of this for you. And we really need to take care of this because I don't want you to be in pain. So I kept telling her, she refused. I finally was like, forget it. 
I said, can you stand up for me? And so she stands up and I literally just put my foot behind hers and sat her on the x-ray exam table. The x-ray technician flung her legs onto the table, got her positioned and bless this gal's heart, hit the x-ray button, didn't even care if I got nuked. It was like, I'm not even sure the x-ray technician was properly protected. And we did three x-rays and mom was pissed. She laid on the table and she's like, you people are bitches and bastards. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And she just laid there and she's like, I'm going back to my room now. I'm like, okay, that's good. I I can help you with that. See you. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, feel free. And she just laid there. And, you know, after a minute or so, the x-ray technician went and talked to her, tried to get her to get up. My mom verbally assaulted her. And I said, you know what? My husband is great with my mom. He can sweet talk her in anything. So everybody made accommodations. My husband comes over and he goes, mom, what's going on? And she, (laughs) bad words, call people names. And he goes, well, let's get out of here. You know, come on, I'll help you. Let's get out of here. And so he puts his hand out to her and she grabs him and just scratches the crap out of him. He lost his noodle. He was like, bad language. I've never heard him talk to my mom like that. Yeah, but fair play. That, I bet that bloody hurt. Yeah, it did. He was, he was not happy. And she does that to a lot of people. So, unfortunately, I have to find her a new doctor. And there's a different medication that should help with this combativeness. Because she scratched the caregiver and drew blood yesterday. And I finally told the director of the care home, I'm like, when she gets like this, just ignore her. That's what she wants. You know, offer her food. If she comes and eats, great. If she doesn't, it's on her. Said she's safe. Don't put yourself in her harm's way. So that's how she got diagnosed. With wow. Arthritis. Yeah, it's... it's Mommy, um, that's quite a journey, isn't it? To be diagnosed. Yeah, it's not fun. And it was like literally... You know, I had to leave. Her doctor's appointment was 8.45 in the morning, so I had to leave here slightly after 8, drive over there, pick her up, hobble into the car because it hurt. So she walked extraordinarily slowly. And then we go to the doctor's office. He was a pain in the rump. Then we have to go over to the other building. And it was a long walk from the car to the entrance so I finally got her to go in a wheelchair, which she really didn't want to do, but I think she kind of gave up because it just she'd walked far enough that it hurt enough. She was like, whatever, I'll just do it. But oh yeah, yeah, she's a real challenge. Yeah. Tell me, just just out of interest, what was your mum like before the Alzheimer's? Was she quite easygoing? Was she quite difficult? Or <laughs> no, you you didn't cross her. If you crossed her, you might find yourself regretting it significantly. And I've told the care home, I don't remember what I did. I was a teenager. I did something, but, and my mother literally held a grudge for an entire month. We lived in the same house. She did not talk to me unless she absolutely had to for a solid month. And that takes a lot of effort. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's not healthy for you either. You know, the person holding the grudge. So you never did it again. I don't even remember what I did. I just remember the time. I bet you didn't. <laughs> no, probably not. And 
So, yeah, she was very independent, very, I'm going to do things my way. Don't give me instructions. My sister and I attended the primary school, which was across the street. So we obviously did not need transport. And one day I came home, my sister and I are four and a half years apart. So she was probably first grade and I was sixth grade, you know, not, she was not very old for sure. And I go home and mom's not home, which was unusual. She was just a housewife. I know that's not the current term, but that's what they call it back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no note. And she comes home and I'm like, where were you? And she got very testy. Like, I did not have to leave you a note. You know, I'm an adult. I can do what I want. So that's very much the personality that she has now. And she absolutely despises help. I was just, what did I do? She was struggling pulling up her Depends, the uh, the diaper. And she just had it hooked on her toe. We all, you know, we all struggle with our undergarments sometimes. And I kept saying, if you just need, if you want help, let me know. And after about three minutes, I'm like, this is stupid. So I just, I bent over and I said, oh, you just have it stuck on your toe. We all have that problem. Sometimes I unhooked the, the hole, you know, the leg so she could pull them up. And when I unhooked her toe, I went back into her bedroom and I was hanging up clothes in her closet. She comes in, she goes, I hate it when people, but this was all the wrong words. And she stomped out of her room and I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I just kept hanging up clothes and she came back. And at that point she'd forgotten why she was mad. And we were talking about how they feel. So I know like we, she and I had a fight on Monday. She was really not good yesterday. And I know I almost need to go like another day this week and make sure it's really nice because when we have these negative visits with the doctor or negative visits with me, it takes a couple weeks for her to like, trust me again. It's really frustrating. She can't remember who I am, but she remembers that feeling. It's it's hard. So do you know what I do? If my dad is in a bit of a shitty mood, um, I have um, an Alzheimer's radio for him. I don't know if you've seen these. Um, they're amazing things. They're almost like an old radio, and it just says lift to play music, and that's all you have to do. But what you do is you upload their favourite songs. So I say to the carers, you know, uh, in the home, if he's ever in there, you know, just with nothing going on and staring at the ceiling, for God's sake, just lift that up and play music because when he hears his favourite songs, he can go from... oh I love this song and it changes him completely and you know he will remember the lyrics yeah see my mom that was one of the things and it was interesting in the workshop yesterday you know they're talking about communication she doesn't can't decipher language so she can't I mean she can read but she can't read if that makes any sense yes I mean she has the knowledge of reading but her visual processing prevents it the reading yeah so that wouldn't work. I but would, tried. Would music would music not work for her? Not really. And I no? think part of it when I was growing up, and this is gonna I don't think I've ever mentioned this before. <clears throat> when I was growing up, mom listened to talk radio back before it was very partisan, very one side of politics and the other side of politics. You know, dad used to listen to that in his truck as well. I believe it. So I think it's just interesting that I end up a podcaster, but she doesn't, she, I've, I've gone through dozens and dozens of songs. And if I 
dance with her like, oh, I love this song, let's dance. And it's one from that I remember her enjoying from my childhood. I can kind of engage her, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to connect with her the way it has with other people living with Alzheimer's. The one thing okay. I haven't tried is headphones. And I think that might help, but then yeah. I can't hear it. So I'm not sure how I would interact with her doing that. I probably I, I, should I, I try. Mean, yeah. I, I, do you know what? Absolutely try. What about TV programs? Because there's a program here in the UK called You've Been Framed. And it's literally little video clips of people making mistakes, you know, and then they send them in and you get something like £200 for every clip. Well, they put a whole program of these together of just, you know, people going up a ladder and then falling down or people going on a ski slope and having a bit of a tumble or, you know, all funny things, not where people are hurting themselves. Because it's really quick snippets, he finds it hilarious. He hasn't got to concentrate. I should try that. Okay, so go on YouTube um, Mm -hmm. and go on YouTube and put in You've Been Framed. And I... Yeah, so when I'm out at a cafe and if dad has not got the, you know, the concentration span for 10 minutes, which to be fair, he gets bored after a couple of minutes. I want to go, I want to go. I'll literally put that on. You've been framed. And it just makes him laugh and he, it just, it holds his attention. And another one for dad is snooker. I don't, do you have snooker in the US? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, so it's pool. It's like, you know, pool with the, the balls and the sticks and billiards. Oh, pool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we have snooker here in the UK and I don't know why he, I can put that on. Make, he's like, yes. And then he just watches it. And it would, again, I'll put reruns on of YouTube. Interesting. I know she has a hard time. If I try to show her a picture on my phone, she'd be like, uh, you know, just looking and you could almost tell that she never was really sure what she was looking at. What did she used to um, watch when she was growing up? That's a good question. I should ask my uncle. Yeah, maybe see if she had any favorite, you know, programs. I'm sure if I ever, you know, touch what I don't, but if I ever get Alzheimer's or dementia, you show me reruns of uh, Friends and I'll be happy. <laughs> good to know. Now it's out yeah. there for the world to Thank know. Thank you. Uh, yeah. You know, I've seen your dad on the Instagram stories flip you off and <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 such a character, my dad, you know. He's he's always been a very happy go lucky guy. He was brought up in homes. He was he was pretty much an orphan, really, to be fair. Um, so him and his brother were brought up in homes and he always made me promise him, you know, even he always said to me, you know, never ever put me in a home. I grew up there, I don't want to go back. And I I did promise him. And he made me say that I would here, you know, you 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 can send people. To, I don't know if you, but in Switzerland, there's a place you can go where they get a lethal injection and they go to sleep forever. Dad always made me promise that if anything ever went wrong, I'd do that. How the hell can you do that? You know, it's so difficult to do that as as a daughter. Um, so I have put him in a home. However, he is happy. You know, at the moment, he's happy. Um, He's laughing. He's smiling. He's not mentioned home since the day he moved in. So anyone that's about to go through that transition of putting their loved one in a home, I was so worried and I felt so guilty. And that whole transition has been harder for me than it has him because I was the one that was getting so worked up over it and he's not even mentioned his home. I think it is important to do it sooner 
rather than later. Most people. Interesting. Yes, the carers at Dad's Home said that because then they become more, you know, aware of the surroundings and those memories stayed for them a little bit. Yeah. Because my mom, it took about two months to be acclimated. I would go and visit, knock on her door, and she would open the door and literally, oh, oh, thank God you're here. Oh, it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Best day, I showed up. So she'd been there about two months, and I show up. She's following this taller woman down the hall. This gal's got a bound and determined to call somebody. I don't know who. And my mom sees me and she goes, oh, come with me. I have to help my friend. And that word friend, it was like somebody showered me with diamonds. Yeah. I won the lotto. I was just, I mean, I almost burst into tears because I thought, oh, finally. You know, yeah. It's- yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Oh, and it's so hard, isn't it? And you're probably the one person that sees her the most, that cares the most, that goes out of your way the most, and is the least appreciated person by her. Before we get totally down the path here, tell me, so it was your dad's illness and the emergency in January that convinced you to move him into the care home. Yeah, absolutely. I just thought whilst he was, you know, he in December, he'd gone into um, hospital and that was with uh, gastroenteritis, which it's called here. I don't know if you have that in the in the US. It's, it's basically so. a sickness and diarrhea bug. But as you know yourself, um, when somebody was out, Alzheimer's or dementia gets something like that, it absolutely sends them off the scale. They have no recollection, no memory. You know, they just cannot put two and two together. So, yeah, he was in hospital with that. And um, then we had Christmas, and he was great over Christmas. I got the carers to go in for longer hours. He came. I went to him Christmas Day, et cetera. And then it was around about the 3rd of January, um that he was found at the end of his bed and I was in hospital and I just thought I can't do this anymore I've always said as long as he's safe and as long as he's happy um then it's all good and I just thought he's not I don't feel he's safe anymore um and so that was it and you know we had done really well to keep him in his home for as long as we had um and so so yeah I just thought that's it I need to put him in a care home I don't know what the cost of care is like in America, um, but here... Probably don't want to know. Right, yeah. So here... About $6,000 a month. A month. Yeah, so it's probably the same, yeah. So it's $1,300 a week for dad, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, pounds. So, yeah, it's probably about the same. Um, it's a great care home. You know, it's obviously three meals a day. They have a doctor. It's it's um, round the clock care, and every time you know, or the last month I got the bill, it was like, oh Jesus! Like it's just an insane amount of money. And if he knew where his money was would, was going, he would. Oh my God, he would hate me for it because. You know what it's like as a parent, and he's always said, everything I've done is for you. You know, he helped me buy my first house. I know, you know, I was a bit of a spoiled girl, really, if I'm being honest. You know, I, only in the last sort of eight years have I had to ever buy my first car, and I'm 49 years old, because Dad was always into cars and would go, right, I've got you a new car. You know, I've been really, really lucky. So he would hate that. So, yeah, it's an obscene amount of money. Um, but then when you break it down, and I think, you know, to stay in a decent hotel in the UK – you're probably looking at around about £140 a night with maybe breakfast and dinner. Um, 
And this is an average hotel, and you're not getting round the clock care with that either. Um, so you know, so when you break it down, it's 180, you know, British pounds a night, um, which is not bad for round the clock care, a bed, your own bed, your own bedroom. So I tend to look at it that way, and then it doesn't smart as much. And it's not even my money. Um, But dad has savings, which is great. You know, um, well, I say great. Let's say he's got £40,000 worth of savings. That's not going to see us even a year, you know, really in a care home. But his house, we we just had it valued. So if he does outlive, you know, the amount that we sell the house for, I was always a little worried about they would pick him up and move into a, into a home where they go, no, you know, the, the, the social services that we have here say we can't afford 1300 so we're going to put him in a home that we don't, you know, think is, it, sorry, they will tell us it's as good as it is, but I won't believe it is. And, and actually it won't because it will be cheaper. But after speaking to the manager of the care home, they've said, look, where your dad will be here for a minimum of four years if he lives that long and you've paid that much into it, it will be fine. We will sort it out which is just sweet music to my ears because I don't want to move him. And, you know, if all his money goes on care, then great. But I'm, you know, I, I'm not moving him. I, no, it's just not fair to him. No, it's, it's, I can't imagine moving my mom and I didn't put her in. We have board and care homes, which are usually in a normal household residence. And there's usually up to six, people that need care and a full-time carer and other carers that come in. But I, one, when she moved into the memory care, they let her keep her dog and she had her dog for 18 months before we had to take the dog someplace else. And I, I was afraid that she would leave. They're not usually a lock in. Right. So they're cheaper, but how much I chose um about a third usually right okay yeah which is great if they're at the maybe mid stages of alzheimer's you know exactly yeah so brilliant we don't have that and now i think she'd probably be okay with one if i could find a really good one where she could help help with quotes do things like put the napkins on the table you know she always wants to help and then you have to tell her what to do and then you just have to do it. So if you could, you know, find her a task that she could do, like put the napkins on the table. If it doesn't happen, you can just come behind her of and course. put napkins on the yeah. table. Um, it's harder in a place where there's 30 people, you know, and there's more staff. And I haven't asked them to do that. And I'm, I might. Do you know what? Do it because they have it. sus with my dad. They said, you know, we think he's bored. He's now doing the morning post run. So he goes around with them to give the post out. Mm. So that might be, yeah, they don't get, let me think, I don't think they get the newspaper in there. But they make it a letter, even if it's to two rooms or something. You know, dad now goes upstairs and delivers that post uh, with somebody, with with the post person, obviously. Uh, But they will take him to the room and say, there you go. And then he goes, oh, there you go. There's your post for today. And he feels good. So that might be an idea. Yeah, that might be if I just create nice letters for the different residents. I'll have to think on that. I like that idea. She does need something to utilize that I want to help. I, you know, I mean, she raised two girls. She helped my dad with his businesses. She's done charity work. So she's always been a helper. 
you know, as long as she did it on her terms. So I'm definitely, they, they will reassess her this month. I'm assuming you guys have the rent and then the different levels of care. Yeah. If, okay. So the systems are pretty much the same. So they're going to reassess her because it's been, you know, a year since the last one. And maybe I'll talk to the director and say, look, I think we need to direct her. She likes to sit and chit chat, which is fine. And right. she does participate in some of the activities yeah. where they like, for, you know, bounce a balloon around. Um, she, I was surprised when I saw her doing that. I was like, if I suggested that, you'd call me nuts. So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. Do they do quizzes and things like that for them? They'll Music. do bingo and yeah, coloring. Brilliant. Yeah, same. Um, I don't know that she participates. I know she doesn't do the coloring. You know, just just talking, sorry, when you said about, oh, I'll have to think about the letters, I teamed up in December at a company over here called the Wonderful, the Wonderful Post, I think it was. And what they do, they are a, basically you pay, I think it was £3.75. They send you a card and inside the card, is the description of somebody that lives in a care home. So let's say it's Roger. Roger loves music. He used to be in a band. He used to be a truck driver. That person gets the description. So what they do is they draw a picture of Roger in a truck, a guitar on the outside, and they just say, hi, say, say it was me, and I'd just say, hello, Roger, my name's Nina. You know, I understand you're in a care home. Um, uh, you know, I have a family. This is what I like to do, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it, we did it for Christmas. It was an activation that I, I bought 50 cards and then I got my colleagues to do them at work. And then you send them back to the company and then the company take them to the care homes and distribute them. I'll have to look into that. The wonderful post, I think it, it I'm sure it was. I'll tag you in so you can have a look. Whether it's in the US, I don't know, but a real genius activation. And you feel great because you're doing a good deed for a stranger and they feel great because they're getting a letter. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you. Oh, you too, Jen. And, you know, if you ever want to do this again, you know, something else down the line, then absolutely, you know, whether it's to do with dad's journey and, and maybe whatever, comparisons, you know. Yeah, I'd love to. It's been, it's been brilliant. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some tea and probably a scone. And yes, I actually do drink tons of tea. And I do occasionally have a scone that I make at home. I want to thank you for joining me. Make sure to check out the website. Follow me on social media. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday.